God. And so I just thought with my perspective and just the ways that God has gifted me, I thought, yeah, that would be a good thing to preach on today. Let's talk about some worship. Um, but I also want to do a little refresher. And remember that this summer, we are in the Psalms. We are currently talking about the Psalms as a guide to life, be that a guide to praise, lament, thanksgiving, etc. And I really think this series is, is perfect for new Christians and our seasoned Christians alike because it really just provides a nice outline and refresher into how we walk with God and what the everyday Christian goes through. And if we look at the Psalms as a whole, when we sum them up, it covers the expanse of emotions and feelings. They capture how we find God in a variety of life circumstances. And in short, they capture the human condition. And the Psalms are a snapshot into humanity's desires, fears, longings, and so much more. So with that, I'd like to open up in prayer, if you guys would bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we just come before you humbled. We want to lay all of our burdens at your feet, and we want to be open and honest with you this morning, God. Not only just this morning, but the rest of this week, the rest of this year, and the rest of our lives, God. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would invade our hearts. Um, just identify areas of stone in our hearts, God, and just crack them open that we could be completely ourselves the way that you've designed us, God. And so I just pray for this message today that it would be you speaking through me, Holy Spirit, and that these words would be words of truth and that they would bring honor to you this morning and that as we learn about Psalm 42, that you would um, teach us something about yourself, God. Give us your wisdom and teach us a little bit about worship this morning, God. So we just ask this all in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So when I was preparing for this sermon, I just kind of thought about worship as a whole and how sometimes it can be a little hard to define. It's a little bit of an amorphous term, and it can be ambiguous. It can mean many things to many different people. Um, and then I thought about there's like lots of different questions you can consider when you're trying to define worship. Can it be done alone? Does it have to be done in a community setting? Is prayer worship, or do I have to be singing? There are many more questions like these, and today I thought it'd be fun to play a little game. And the game is this. Is it worship? Okay, so I'm going to run through a few scenarios, and I, you guys don't need to speak or anything, but I want you to think, like, in your heads, you're going to define, is that situation, is it worship, or is it not worship? And then we'll talk about it. So the first scenario is, singing songs on Sunday to God. Is that worship? Some of you are saying yes. And I, I would agree, at its surface, it sounds like worship. But I think on a deeper level, there needs to be more than just singing words. You know what I mean? It needs to be deeper than that and that you really have to be singing. So I'm going to give this one a yes. I think it's worship with an asterisk because I think at a heart level, we really need to be singing those words and meaning them. All right, second scenario. A man watches football every Sunday. And his day is ruined when his team loses. Lament. Is that worship? I'm not calling anyone out here. I'm just... Is it worship? I don't know. Actually, I do know. I would say that it's not worship. And here's why. Because on its surface, liking football isn't bad. Surprise. It's, it can be a good hobby that's fun. It's, you know, community-building activity. And so I would say at its surface, it's, it's actually not worship. Um, because really worship involves, like, giving honor to a deity. And, again, at its surface, he just likes football. And in this case, I would say it could be worship if 
you're considering these players like some sort of God status or something like that. But again, liking football on its own is pretty benign stuff. All right, so third scenario. A husband loses everything to gambling, and he cannot stop fixating on the next time he will get to the casino. So a little bit different of a situation. So he's fixated on gambling. What do we think? All right, now that you guys have decided, I would say that this actually is not worship. This sounds to me more like addiction. Again, we talked about, like, elevating the status of a deity, honoring a deity of some kind. That's really not what's happening here. It, it could be worship, depending on how they see it, but in most cases, addiction isn't worship. It's just someone who's caught in their sin, and we're all susceptible to that. And then lastly, we have this scenario. A woman trusts and has faith in her bank account as she knows that her security comes from money. What do we think? I would say that is worship, yes, because she's putting her trust and honor into money, and that's her source of security and faith. Um, but it's not good worship, right? Like, I'm sure there's a feeling of, Ugh, that didn't feel right in our Christian souls, because we know that that isn't true worship, because true worship is of God alone, and he's a jealous God, and he doesn't want us to elevate things that should not be elevated, and actually, this is considered false worship. And we remember that um, the Israelites practiced false worship when they worshiped the gold calf. Um, so yeah, now that we've done those situations, that was more of a fun activity. And now I kind of want to transition into what does worship mean really? And I really don't want to talk about the semantics. While that is fun, I really want to get to the heart of worship because that's where we want to start. We want to start with the heart and the soul and we want to be aligned with God. And so when I was on the interwebs and I googled what worship meant, it, um, I found a, a pretty fun definition. It says, says this, that worship is an act of religious devotion usually directed towards a deity. For many, worship is not about an emotion. It is more recognition of a God. An act of worship may be performed individually in an informal or formal group or by a designated leader. So I thought that was pretty good. It's a, it's a really good starting place. And so that kind of fits in with our definition of there's, you know, elevating the deity. But remember that we're Christians and we go to the Bible for truth. So when I was trying to, f to find true biblical worship, I found this even better definition. And it says this. We can define worship that's true as God-centered worship. People tend to get caught up in where they should worship, what music they should sing, how their worship looks to other people. But focusing on these things misses the point. And Jesus tells us that true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. And that comes from John 4.24. And we will see that played out in the psalm for today. And that's Psalm 42. That we want to worship God truly, to worship him alone, um, and we want to follow in the psalmist's footsteps today. And worship is certainly complex. Um, we're going to be looking at Psalm 42 and how it perfectly encapsulates this God-centered worship. Um, and it really just shows us a person or people who are really desperate for their God, for our God, and how they pour their very souls out to him. And that in life we're going to have many difficult situations, um, but through that God wants our honesty and 
what really counts is our response to these hard situations. Um, and that our response should be with scripture and it should be with honest praise of him. So with that, let's go to the word of God this morning. Please open your Bibles to Psalm 42. And I'd like to read the whole thing today, so I'll give you a second. Open up your Bibles or your iPhones. All right. So I'll go ahead and read it. You guys can follow along. I think this is NIV, but it says this. The psalm is called, Why Are You Cast Down, O My Soul? To the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. As a deer pants for the flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when I shall come and appear before God. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How would I go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God? With glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, Mount Miser, deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By the day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me, all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him, my salvation and my God. I just think this psalm is very cool, and that's actually why I selected it today. Um, but before the passage begins, um, I just kind of want to give you some backstory and some context um, you see at the beginning of the passage, it says, to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. I just kind of want to break that down for you because, you know, I was a little confused when I was reading that. Um, and upon deeper inspection into what that means, um, I kind of figured out who these people were. And the sons of Korah were a group of priests who were charged with the ministry of singing. They were basically worship leaders, the Korahites, and they were God's people. So they were in charge of leading the people in worship. And actually, 2 Chronicles 20.19 describes them in action. It says this, The Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So not only were they worship leaders, but they were proud of their God. They would stand up, sing loudly, proudly. And in the same way, we want to do that as well. Because we're proud of our God. We're excited to be Christians. You know, it's a fun thing. We don't need to be all scared. We want to be bold. And furthermore, we look at this and we're told that this psalm is a mascal, which looking into the meaning of this word, a lot of people have had difficulty translating this. Um, so many translations just leave it as mascal. But when you look around, I found one interpretation that said that mascal means to make someone wise, or more specifically, that by singing the song, or psalm in this case, we are being instructed by the Lord and he is bestowing his wisdom upon us. So I just thought that was super neat that 
obviously we sing worship because we want to bring praise to our Lord, but there's a lot of things happening. Like in this case, God is giving us wisdom as we sing. That's super cool. Um, but now that we've got some of that context out of the, out of the way, the first point I'd like to make today is this. Embrace yourselves. Life is hard. Let th- yeah, let that sink in. Life with Jesus is not walking through a field of daisies. And that's okay. I know there's <laughs> a lot of bad theology out there, honestly, um, when it comes to, you know, our walk with Jesus and just, you know, blessings and things like that. But I just want to explain more about that and how it relates to the psalm. And I just want to say that it's going to happen where we go through very deep valleys in our life. And I'm sure many of us are going through them now, have gone through them in the past, or will go through them in the future. And the psalm, he is experiencing something very deep and very sorrowful. Sorrowful. And I just want to just kind of read a few verses that really um, capture this. And it says in verse 3 that my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? So whatever the psalmist is going through is super intense, super sad, and it's causing him to cry for days on end. I mean, he's eating his tears. I mean, it's an exacerbated way of saying that I am sad, I I am feeling deep, deep emotions. And on top of that, there are people that are mocking him for apparently his God not being there for him, which we know that that, it may look like that, but we know that that's not true. In verse 9 it says, Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go to mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? My adversaries taunt me, where is your God? Why have you forgotten me, God? I think that's a question I find myself asking from time to time. Because we follow Jesus faithfully. And sometimes we pray over and over again and we wonder, why have you forgotten me, God? Your servant who loves you, who prays to you, believes in you, serves you. Have you forgotten me? So I know it seems like a simple point, but just remember that life with Jesus Jesus is difficult. That's just that's just how it is. But man, I watched a sermon on YouTube that said that if I follow Jesus, I'm gonna get a Ferrari and a yacht and I'm gonna be rich and I'm gonna have everything and all the blessings in the world and Life's going to be good. That's not biblical. It's not. Look at this psalmist. He doesn't have a Ferrari. He's going through something. The psalm, the psalm doesn't say what he's going through, but by his words, he is experiencing deep sorrow and hard, li- and a hard, and hard circumstances. So suffering is going to happen, but remember, God is not to blame. We don't blame God for life's circumstances even though that's our natural inclination, that we're going to want to blame God. Why did you do this to me, God? But I really want you guys to remember this scripture because it's something that I pray about all the time. And it was a theological correction that I really needed. In Matthew 5.45, it says, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And I would meditate on that scripture because it just tells me that good and bad happens to all of us. And God isn't punishing you and he's not punishing me. And he's not doing things to you. 
He's not, he's not failing to answer your prayer because you weren't a faithful servant or something like that. You just have to remember that God's will is God's will. And he, he may just answer your prayer in a different way or he hasn't answered it yet. So good and bad happens to all of us. But God is still good. Let's continue on. Secondly, I'd like to point out that this psalm shows us that God wants our honesty. And he wants us to open our souls to him. So if we continue on from verse 3, we see that the psalmist writes, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. The psalmist is spelling out everything that he's feeling. And he's crying out to God. Remember that he's crying day in and day out. And likewise, God wants us to be honest with him in this same way. And he wants us to truly tell him how we feel. He doesn't want us to just put on a facade and act like, yay, God, everything's good. My life is blowing up and my, I broke my ankle and I got fired from work and yay, I'm, I'm so happy. God doesn't want that. He wants us to say, this is horrible, God. I'm angry. This is so hard. I don't understand, God. Why are people treating me this way? I'm depressed. I don't have the strength to go on, God. Here's a tough one. God, I want to serve you. I want to go on a mission trip, but you won't open the door for me. I'm doing it for you. Why won't you open this door? We don't want to just pretend that everything is fine. Because sometimes it's not. So whatever circumstances you might be in, bring it to God and just offer it to him and be yourself when coming into his presence. Be yourself. I know that seems like another simple simple thing, a simple point, but I think it's one that we mess up because we think we need to act one way or another. And I know it's one that I need to work on myself. And I'd like to remind you all of what Jesus tells us in John 4:24. We brought it up earlier in the sermon. He tells us that his worshipers must, must worship in spirit and in truth. So in spirit and in truth. So that's two facets that we are worshiping God in a truthful way. So we're being honest with him. That when we sing the words on a Sunday, that we're actually meaning them. We actually mean that God is good. And we will bless his name in the darkest of circumstances when the sun's shining upon us, we truly want to mean those words when we sing them. And then, um, worshiping in spirit, um, just feeling that praise in your very soul and letting the spirit pervade you as you sing those words and not just blindly going through the motions. So that's what I want to encourage you guys to do um, at the end of service is to really just do that today. Practice that you're having some tough emotions, just pray before the song, give those to God, and then as you sing these words, really mean them. And close your eyes, raise your hand if you feel comfortable doing that, and really just practice what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. And then lastly, the psalmist shows us that being at this emotional state is not the end. God doesn't want us to just be a bunch of muckrakers. He doesn't want us to just say, ah, my life is awful. He wants us to launch from that point and respond with the Bible and God's truth. 
So when life circumstances are hard, I respond with God's character and biblical truth. We've already discussed that what, whatever the psalmist is going through is pretty bleak. But if we look past his crying out, we see that he responds with hope in God. It says this in verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him again. He is my salvation, and he is my God. My life is hard, but he is still my salvation. And this is how we should respond to our grief, our anger, our discontentment, our misunderstandings. We say, God, we're angry, but you are good. God, I don't understand this. I don't know why you're leading me this way, but you are a lamp to my feet, and you guide my footsteps. We say, Jesus, I am being persecuted for my faith, but you say that you are blessed when we are persecuted in your name. And we declare to ourselves, we give ourselves some self-talk when we're down, and we say, why is my soul cast down? Jesus died for my sins. A perfect man who was also God went to the cross, paid it all for me, a broken sinner. So you know what, Jesus? I'm going to hope in you. I'm going to hope in you because you are the hope of the world. You are the only way that we get to the Father. You are the, the way, the truth, and, and the life. And you will give us life eternal at the end of days, God. So that is what I want you guys to remember today. And I'm going to close in prayer, but I'm going to invite the worship team up as well. But I want you guys to remember these points. And I want us to follow in the psalmist's footsteps. And that's this, that we are going to go through difficulties in our life. And it's not God's fault. We don't need to blame him when we don't get what we want. We have to remember that we want what, what God wants. We want God's will. And next, that God wants our honesty in worship. So as they're playing this song. I'd encourage you guys to sing to him. Really feel the words deep inside yourself and be honest with God in your prayer life. And just really bear open your hearts when you're praying with him. And lastly, always respond with the Bible and truth. Because the devil wants you to, he wants you to mess up. He wants you to know, he wants you to think lies about God. He wants, you to, he wants you to blame God for all the mistakes you've made and all the horrible life circumstances. That's what the devil wants, is to put a wall between you and Jesus. So always respond with the Bible in truth. And never let the devil tear you away from Jesus. With that, I'd like to close in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Psalm 42. We thank you for the whole book of Psalms because God you have given us a beautiful and holy text that you breathe into this world God that gives us a guide for how we're supposed to live our lives God because without it we're lost without it we have no hope 
so Jesus we thank you for giving us these guidelines and giving us these examples that went before us so we can learn from them God and like this psalmist we're gonna sing these songs and inadvertently we're gonna gain your wisdom God and so we thank you for worship and we're gonna pray each line of this next song as a prayer to you this morning God because we love you and you are good you are the God of promises you delivered the Israelites God you sent your son Jesus to us you've done so much good for us and you're a good father so we pray this all in the holy name of Jesus
truth. And as we come forward to the table here, uh, we come forward honestly um, admitting our place and our brokenness and, and how we feel, and yet we encounter the truth that Jesus' sacrifice is enough for us. And so I'm going to invite you at this time um, to come forward and to take um, the communion elements or the little prepackaged cups. We have two stations in the front, and we have one in the back. And so I'm going to invite you now to come forward and take this and then return to your seat, and then we will partake in communion together. body broken for you, broken to take the punishment for your sins. And so would you eat this as a testament of Jesus's body broken for you? Let's take together. And that same night, Jesus took a cup of wine and he said, this wine is a symbol of my blood poured out for you, my blood marking a new covenant, an everlasting covenant, a covenant in which you have been made clean and are allowed in relationship with me forever. Let's drink this together. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for taking the punishment for our sins on yourself, for your body broken for us and supplying for our every need. We thank you for being the bread of life. And Jesus, we thank you for your blood shed for us and for this, this new wine out of dirty water and, and making us clean in a way that we could have never made ourselves clean. Because of your sacrifice, God, we just praise you. Would you continually make us people who worship you in spirit and truth? Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly 
Common Ground Church, as you go, when you go as a worshiper of God, and may you continually be formed into a people who worship God in spirit and in truth. And may the words of Psalm 42 um, be true in your life, able to approach the Lord honestly and with the truth of how you feel, but encountering the truth that we have just celebrated in this new covenant that we have with Christ. And because of that, we have freedom to worship him. So grace and peace. Have a wonderful week.